As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Reptile Room Confessions. Join your hosts, Ryan and Erica McVeigh, and Bill and Teresa Bradley as they tackle the conversations we all have when the reptile room door is closed. Together and with their guests, they discuss the challenges faced in the reptile hobby and the relationships with herpetological conservation, veterinary medicine, and zoological institutions. With real and open discussion, we can improve our knowledge and understanding of these awesome creatures and the world surrounding them. Time to get real. Hello and welcome again to Reptile Room Confessions Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Ryan McVeigh, along with my co-hosts, Erica McVeigh and Bill and Teresa Bradley. Um, we are on to episode six, so it's pretty awesome, and we are excited about this one. It's a, one that's, I don't think a lot of people have really thought about this topic. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy and it gets you thinking. Um, for To start off, we're going to start off like we have before. Um, and kind of go over some updates, uh, and I'll start out and then kick it over to Erica, but um, I'm going to, again, as always, probably getting annoying. If it is, then just do it, and then you won't feel like it's annoying. You'll just feel the, the charge to do the same and tell everybody as well, but U.S. Arc, become a member. Head over to their website, usarc.org. Um, do the $5 a month bronze membership if you can. Everybody should be able to. It's pretty easy. It's 5 bucks a month, and consider it your dues to keeping reptiles and allowing um, uh, to, allowing all the cool things to happen around us that we get to do. All the shows, when they finally come back, we want them to come back. Um, without US Arc, there's stuff that can happen that can make them not come back. So, um, yeah, support US Arc. Pay attention. Make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. Know what's going on around you. Um, and then also for anybody that wants to check out the Madison area Herp Society's Facebook page, um, me and Bill Stewart just did an interview with Phil Goss from US Arc last Friday live. Um, so you can go check out the video there. It's got a lot of good information in it. Um, all right, hon, you got, what do you got for today? What do you got for this bi-weekly update of our lives? So super exciting news on our end is we just got our second round of uh, gastrophilosic. So I'm super excited about that. And the first ones when we candled them had little eyeballs that you could see. And you could see their little tails move when you upset them. And it was really cute. And then we actually have coxite coming. Or I have coxite coming. You don't. But I have coxite coming um, on Tuesday. So actually they should be on after we air this. And they're coming from Matthew Most. And once they arrive, we'll take pictures and post them up onto the Reptile Room Confessions podcast so everybody can see the brand new babies. <laughs> For anybody who is not aware of what she was talking about, Oreocryptophis porphyraceus coxi are bamboo rat snakes. So they're a really cool species. What, why, uh, you've been looking at these for a while, right? Mm hmm So yep. a nope. unique, cool, cool temperature species. Yep. Nope. That's about, that's about all I got for 
that one I don't think I have anything else that's super exciting in our reptiles right now. Everybody's eating and pooping. That's basically <laughs> it, actually. Do you want to also explain what species it is you're talking about with the eggs? Oh, yeah. So, the gast- she says ga- so as you say gastropholis, um, she is referring to gastropholis prasina. Which is the uh, green keel-bellied lizard. Oh, no. We, you don't let me use actual regular common names in the house ever, so I never remember what they're actually called. It's always just gastropholis, <laughs> and the kids know it as the gastropholis <laughs> because nobody knows what they are in the common name. <laughs> no, well, it's the Priscina. Anybody who has a line on any other species of gastropholis, please message me privately on Facebook where Erica won't see it. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, because we always love when you guys just get secret messages about lizards and animals that we aren't knowing that are coming into the house. Secret lady messages, it's secret lizard messages. (laughs) Oh, that's that's okay. That's better. But I, yeah, well, I'm always on his account anyway, which is why some of y'all get like heart shaped emojis on your posts. (laughs) (laughs) Stop telling them that. Just imagine that I'm actually that sweet. It's a lie, but yeah, it's just hard to think about, nope. isn't it? No, it's yep. wrong. Ryan definitely remembers all of your birthdays and says things like pretty on your Facebook post in a non-sarcastic way. And the word epic. Yep. I say that about once a sentence. It's kind of my go-to. All right, Bill, what do you got? What's new and cool? So, uh, new and cool stuff is only going to be new and cool things that I like because that's where I pay attention in social media. Um, Jason Hood is a guy who used to be heavily involved with Chicago Herpetological Society, but has since moved down south to Florida. And everybody on the podcast kind of knows him, so we keep track of him. His Facebook page and his Instagram are Snakes Unlimited, Jason Hood. And he has been really successful with um, South American and Central American rat snakes, black-headed pythons, and blue tegus. He actually just hatched out a bunch of black-headed pythons and had several clutches of blue tegu eggs laid. Uh, So that was really cool. And then one of the companies that I don't know personally but I follow on social media is called Prairie Land Herp. And it's fairly similar to the uh, company I talked about last time in that they have a lot of North American colubrids. Prairie Land is a little bit more... Uh, morph centered and different colors and different patterns and all the cool things that can come in, especially with the different king snakes in North America, as opposed to the company I talked about last time, which was much more locality based. So um, they've had all sorts of eggs being laid. And um, I really like the way that they do their postings and that they show mom with the eggs. And then if you read the captions, it usually talks about morphs and possibilities and who the parents were and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it's a lot of really cool information. That's awesome. So did you see the, uh, the eggs that are hatching from hood came from a head to head exanthic? I did. Uh, I did. I haven't seen him post any exanthics. So, well, and then he also had, um, he had eggs laid a year to the day from the previous clutch for his tegus. Yeah. So he was pretty cool. He was saying how his Facebook memory came up and showed the picture and then he was getting ready to go to work, and the memory came up. He's goofing around on his phone, went and checked the tegus, and there's a pile of eggs. Yeah, that's pretty so awesome. That's pretty awesome. All right, Teresa, what is new around the house? <laughs> uh, new around the house, I uh, am down a bathroom. We have Ooh. decided to remodel our bathroom. Technically, so. 
the bathroom the is toilet still is there. There is you a pathway of boards still. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a floor for the toilet to sit on and for you to have foot holdings in your necessity. Uh, and you don't have to t- technically climb to the toilet yes. across the room. Yeah. I mean, you can but waddle the, if waddling is necessary. I would, you can get I would not do it while you're sleepy because you might no, fall through a, the kitchen ceiling. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we discovered as I was moving portions of the floor that uh, we now have access to the light above our sink in the kitchen if we need or okay. uh, any portion of the kitchen ceiling. Seriously. All right. <laughs> well, let's... Let's talk about tonight's topic. So for episode six, um, this is something that I've talked about with some friends, especially with everything going on in the world right now. Um, and me and Erica have talked about it a little bit, so we kind of thought it would be a good one for if we're if we're talking about it and other people we know are, uh, there's probably more people out there thinking about it. So uh, we're going to broaden this a little bit, but episode six is in case of emergencies, don't break the glass. Uh, so we kind of want to talk about what do you do um, when there's a cup, when there's uh, something comes up in your life that you either have, um, like so, well, you have severe weather coming or something like that. There's snowstorms. How are you going to be ready for it? Uh, maybe we're going to talk about long-term boarding. So maybe a military deployment, or you end up in the hospital, um, or something happens where you need somebody to watch your animals for more than a couple weeks. Um, a home evacuation. Do you have any plans? Like, what happens if your house starts on fire? Um, that's every reptile keeper's biggest nightmare, but. Um, that it does happen. There's two people right now who've had that happen, um, that we know, uh, personally that have had to happen this last week, uh, both reptile keepers and lost a lot of animals. But the other part of it is what if your house, the area of your house that burns, um, isn't where your animals are and you're stuck with a ton of animals in a house you can't be in. Like, what are you going to do then? Um, or if there's flooding or a hurricane coming, how do you be ready to make sure that you, you can get your animals to safety or that you have a plan in place? Um, and then lastly, um, what happens if you pass away? What happens with all your animals? Who do you, um, who do you know that's going to help take care of them? Things like that. Or what's going to happen to them? Where are they going to go? Um, that's something that kind of sucks to think about, but it's something we all got to be kind of ready for. So um, we can kind of start off, I think, the easiest one, the one we deal with the most up here. Where we're at up in Illinois is severe weather. So, I mean, Bill and Teresa, is there anything that you guys have the shop and then you've got your animals at home? Um and, and the kids, and well, you've got most of your animals at the shop, but... And the kids. Yeah, yeah, right, and the kids and everything else going on. Um, do you guys have, like, a protocol when there's severe weather coming? Like, in our area, it's pretty much tornadoes or snowstorms. So, we're probably going to be a little bit weird for this particular topic. Um, we really don't. Yep. So, the shop is a standalone no. thing, and... We like if Teresa was talking about earlier before we started the episode, you know, a difference between a hurricane and a tornado and whatnot and so forth. Um, if it were something where we had planning, like if we lived in an area where hurricanes were a possibility, you know, I would go board the windows or I wouldn't have things in the basement due to flooding and, and that things of that nature. Um, but because of the nature of the Midwest and with things like tornadoes, um, we, we really don't like our concern is the kids here at the house and we deal with that. And then if downtown Dwight got swept away, I would go pick up the mess with everybody else. It would just be a really sad mess. Cause mine would be alive and not anymore. As far as, um, 
this type of emergency would be a snowstorm. Yeah. And yep. and, and losing Lots power. Of power. Um in that case then yeah, you know, I'm going to go there um we do have a in. couple alternate sources of heat. Yeah, that we, we, we can do have heaters av- um, get available. You know, I could I have boxes and bags and all sorts of things to put the animals in, pull them all to the center or um in our shop where the socata tortoise stays during the wintertime as Teresa basically built half a horse stall. Um, so we could stack things in there and that could be heated or, you know, there are things that we could do without electricity and still heat portions of the building. We would just condense the animals all down into travel cases or, or something of that nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for major, you know, natural catastrophes here in the Midwest, we really don't have them aside from tornadoes. And because it's a separate facility, it it's just kind of on its own in in our case, which is a little weird right. for people who are probably at home. Like, I'm going to grab the ball python and the dog and run for the basement. Like, first of all, we have 140 animals, so we're not doing that. And <laughs> just, secondly, just pick up Hal and run downstairs. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it it isn't feasible due to the number of animals that we have, and then it's it also is not feasible because we probably wouldn't be there. Uh, I, of course, you know, sudden storms and tornadoes and things are, are kind of happen at random. So maybe we would, but um, I mean, at best I'd be able to pile some stuff in front of the windows. I, I mean, that would be to keep myself safe. <laughs> the windows right. throwing glass around wouldn't hurt any of the other animals inside of glass. There's probably better glass in the front of my cages than the front of my building. I built the cages. <laughs> right. um, well, I mean like, so, so, Tornadoes and stuff, I think, especially in the Midwest, I mean, that's something pretty random. You don't get a lot of timing. I mean, we know storms are coming. You know they could produce tornadoes. It's not like you're going to rebuild your entire building. Um, For anybody who (laughs) – for people like us and you guys, it's a little bit of a different story. But there there probably was a day, some day in the past, where uh, we only had a couple animals, I think. Sure, yeah. You know, or there's yeah, some... I used to only have a couple of animals. Yeah, and then you married me. Whose fault is that? I was going to say, then you got married. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for a lot of uh, of the people listening that have one or one or two animals, or maybe even up to t- a dozen, um, there, there's some other things I think we want we want to kind of discuss too. Um, what kind of things? Let's say it was a hey, there's a tornado coming. There's bad weather coming. We know there could possibility of tornadoes. Um, I would tell those people, like, what are some things you'd want to have to make sure that you could move your animals? Like, you kind of touched on it, totes and pillowcases. Like, with the totes and pillowcases. I mean, we we would treat that, you know, even for, so, like, we have ferrets here at the house, small pets and and a bird. Um, We treat that the same way. Like, our kids are, they're a little bit older, preteen. So, they're old enough to know, like, if, say, you know, if we were both working or something, you know, they have a cell phone or whatever. And call them like, hey, you know, my weather bug popped up and said potential for bad storms or something. You know, the kids go throw their lawn chairs in the basement. Uh, We have a handful of flashlights or some candles and stuff like that. We have a radio. But one of the Um, things they do bring down is they bring down a cat carrier. For the ferrets. For the ferrets. Our bird is in a small enough cage. You can just carry the whole cage. You can just carry the whole cage. And um, that is something that we've pre-discussed is, hey – during tornado season, just leave the cat carrier in the basement to put right, the so ferrets you just in. Pull the ferrets out of their enclosure and put them in the cat carrier. Because right. it's are their enclosures too big to bring down. Yeah, and I mean honestly, you would just if if you live 
assuming you live in a place that has a basement or, or whatever it is you plan to do for a tornado if you're a Midwest person. Um, honestly, for most reptiles, it's as simple as a Rubbermaid. You know, if a, this this takes a lot of things into assumption. One is you don't have venomous things, in which case you need things that can transport them so your equipment is more specialized, given the episode we just had. Um and then if, but if you have, you know, your standard pet animals, I mean, it really is as simple as a pillowcase or a Rubbermaid to move most of those things, barring them being giants. Yeah. Right. And so some of the things that, that I've told people in the past, and the nice thing too, is if you, um, other things other than Rubbermaids, which actually sometimes make it nice, it really depends on what you have though. Um, but like deli cups that you can get animals that shows in are nice to yeah. have around. Yes. Especially- if you are, if you are Ryan and you love tiny, ultra expensive, crazy geckos <laughs> along yeah. with Bill Stewart and they all can live on your thumbnail happily, you should invest in deli cups and you should enjoy Chinese food routinely. <laughs> for all the containers we're going to prescribe you chinese food but no but i mean even even for some snakes if i can get them into one of the bigger flat you know delis is as compact as as i can get them is as best um, yes yeah, and i'll usually sure. keep a, a styro around um a styrofoam cooler or for anybody maybe you have a an old cooler that cracked or something or has a hole in it that that's perfect for using for this or even just go on to like the next door app in your neighborhood. I know I'm like addicted to that app. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, or like Facebook Lite or the, not Facebook Lite, but like the Facebook Marketplace or any of those places, even garage sales or even just like ask your neighbor if they have like an old cooler and then just drill holes in them. Right. I mean, that's what a lot of even zoo, zoo facilities, honestly, that's what most of them have for transport is just old um, coolers that just have big holes drilled into the top to allow for some kind of air circulation. Right. And the other, well, the other thing too, you can do is most people don't know this, but if you head over to like your local fish store, a lot of them will have styrofoam boxes in the back that they are happy to give away. Um, and that's usually what they ship their, uh, they get their ship, their fish shipped up to them in. Um, so that's, but I, I know if they... you are going to a pet store and getting anything, as with our quarantine episode, you should use that and quarantine that thing because it is a pet store. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> getting a box and foam. Clean it and spray <laughs> so it and quarantine it. Definitely spray it and quarantine it. So when you do this, don't think about it the day before the tornado. This should be something that you should have discussed. And <laughs> sure. But please do not spray it with... Uh... Like, so don't spray it with front line, which is alcohol based, or you will melt your brand new styrofoam cooler. <laughs> and then yeah. you will have a brand new piece of artwork. Yes. And poison, because so, you can't smell burned yeah, styrofoam. Yeah. That's a very. that. So we kind of make jokes about that, but for those people who are listening, that's like a really serious thing. If you spray alcohol on styrofoam and it causes a chemical reaction and then you were to touch that or have an animal or, touch that, you will get a chemical burn breathe in the and fight, so will your reptiles. Fumes. Yeah. And that is not something you want to be breathing in your basement because you made a mistake. So mm-hmm. like be, that is a, Bleach a water. very good, a very water, good, not alcohol. Right. That, but that's a, that's a, it sounds just like, oh, yeah, don't use alcohol. Like, that's just a standard <laughs> tip. That's a really important <laughs> tip that you need to follow pretty specifically. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the ammonia and bleach thing. Just yeah. put that right up there with it, guys. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that one. Yes, oh. that's actually not a common thing anymore to know. Seriously? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, mix Lysol with Clorox? It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, you'd be surprised. Right, but people people think that Lysol is Lysol and Clorox is Clorox. They don't know ingredients. It's the same thing as saying Kleenex and tissue. They don't know the difference. Right. Oh, it's, it's a really common thing. If we talk snowstorms, um, that's something I've dealt with plenty. Um, there's a couple things I do around the house just to – just if you're getting through um, – any kind of thing like this, uh, especially in the winter with reptiles up in the mid, you know, upper Midwest, upper portion of the country. Um, if you lose power, it gets a little scarier in the winter than it is in the summer. But one thing that I, I do uh, that you can do if you know a big storm is coming that has that potential, um, we put pots on every burner on the stove and start them boiling. So it, the higher the humidity in the air is, the more energy it can hold and mm-hmm. the longer it'll hold it. And then we crank the heat up in the house as high as it'll go. Which sucks for me. Because, oh, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's your own little tropical paradise, and it's my seventh layer of heck. So yeah. this is assuming you don't have a generator. If you have a generator, obviously that will work. But we're saying if you don't have a generator, putting things like plastic coverings um, over, you know, plastic wrap, even just like cling wrap, honestly, over the windows or blankets or towels and just stapling those over windows to kind of hold down um, the draft to hold in heat. Those are things that all work well, obviously watching draft walls. But then also, um, and this is something that uh, I've told people before when they've called the rescue in times where they've lost power during the winter, especially is um, the enclosures move them away from outside walls. If you're going to move lose them power to the middle you, of your house, right? If you did lose power or something, even if you can't move it to the middle of your house, just like move them away from the wall a little bit um, and give a little bit of an air gap to just hold in some of the heat, and that will help a lot too. Absolutely. So and so between boiling water, turning up the heat, um, and then you kind of just wait it out and be ready. Having containers ready, having um, start coolers ready to, to get the animals into, um, have some heat packs if you can, um, that'll help try you tried to order some of the shipping heat packs, 96 hour heat packs, things like that. When you can, if you're in a pinch, you can use hot hands, heat packs. Mm-hmm. Do not let them touch an animal though. They get really hot. Okay. So if you stick it in the cooler, duct tape it to the lid or something where an animal won't touch it. Um, just cause they can so, get really, really hot. I'm going to find out if my mom is ever listens to this podcast. Um, she actually had her power go out with one of our animals when, um, Bill was in the military and, um, it was out for two days and my mother lived with the urimastics under her shirt. <laughs> cause she was like, I don't know where else to put him. My house is too cold, but I can run my, she was running her, um, her fireplace, but she wasn't able, I don't know why she wasn't able to bring the enclosure down there. So she was just like, so I just put him in my shirt and carried him around. And he was completely content. (laughs) She's actually super awesome. That's super cool. She just, she just literally carried Bob, our Euromastics around in her shirt Mm -hmm. for two straight days. And that also (laughs) is an option though. It makes sleeping awkward. Well, she was not was, an option for sleeping. <laughs> she wasn't actually. She's like, I just kept him like she tucked him under the bed 
because she was keeping the bed warm. So she tucked him underneath the uh, comforter on the other side in a bag. And he slept in the bag. And then when she got up, she just tucked him back in her shirt and <laughs> walked around the house. Nice. That's awesome. But she only had one. So, so it's like you have a retiree, a zoo docent. Yeah. And a grandma. Perfect. There you go. But if you only have one ball python, they're completely True, yes. content with being tucked in your sweatshirt pocket or right. something like that. And you, yeah, if it's you that make or your own sickle, heat and you can you do what you got to do. You can hang out in your house that is mostly warm-ish and you produce your own heat. You can be their heat source. Yeah. Kind of uh, weird. So, no, I think I think that's, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, you, and I've done that when I've been, like, taking an animal somewhere. I was taking a snake somewhere. I didn't have a cooler. It was winter. So I stuck it, stuck it in my... Uh, so hoodie on in my jacket. Oh, the poor oh, snake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Warm it up a little bit. How, how many times? Snake. Come on. <laughs> Whoever, uh, not not counting the four people that are talking here, but all the people who listens to these episodes, if you guys have not been outside of the October Tinley and mm-hmm. seen people with square <laughs> with square boobs, or weird stomach bulges. <laughs> Yep. Like that's because there's something stuck in their jacket or shirt because it's I, cold. I know we've been yep. to a restaurant by October Tinley, and I have had weird stomach bulges because it's like I don't, I don't think they'll be a fan of me bringing this snake into Olive Garden. What about you? I, I'll fill in my shirt. <laughs> yep, yep, done that. A lot of very, very big purses come out when it's dinner time. Yep, at Tinley. that's yep. right. Yep. I love my big purse. Don't don't hate on my big purse. <laughs> So, so one, so, all right, so we'll wrap up severe weather, but talking about tornadoes. Oh, another thing for severe weather. I'm so sorry. Oh, good. But I was thinking about it really quick. Um, The insulation stuff, that reflective insulation uh, foil. Bubble wrap. Like the R3 bubble wrap reflective foil. Um, Just having a roll of that, that you've already pre-cut to what your windows are in that particular area. Like, if you have a reptile in a particular room, just pre-cut it to cover that window, and then just roll it up and store it under where your reptile supplies is, or store it wherever your disaster prep is, if you're actually somebody that's really on top of their game and has a disaster prep area. <laughs> or put it in the back closet like we have, and we're like, yeah, we'll totally a... use it, and then... Yeah forget that we have it every damn time but that's absolutely an option that you can use and it's super flexible um easy to move around but it's super effective for actually holding in the heat or conversely if you have a power outage in extreme heat or extreme you know um, summer conditions where it's just too hot it also will hold in the coolness in your house too by not letting the heat enter into your home Oh, yeah. When I was in college, my uh, my bedroom would get really, really hot in the morning. Uh, the lights would turn on, and within 30 minutes, it'd be about 90 degrees in my room, plus the sunlight coming in and coming through all the windows. So so I put aluminum foil in all my windows, uh, which I'm sure the apartment complex appreciated because it looked crazy. Um, but, mm-hmm. one, it was super dark in my room all the time, which was awesome because I worked like a weird shift. And then uh, and then it it kept it a lot, it lot cooler. Helped. Regulate oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but no, that's something that isn't often talked about. A lot of times when people talk about severe weather, they're talking about storms and they're talking about severe cold. But severe, most animals, especially reptiles and amphibians, will tolerate cold 
far better than they're going to tolerate extremes in heat. Oh, absolutely. So if you have extremes in heat and your animal's not on, if you have, you know, a power outage or anything like that in, like, the summer, don't add additional heat to your animal at all, ever. Try to keep them moist. Try to keep make sure that they have water in their enclosure at all times. Maybe add a larger water dish if it's at all possible. Um Things put like, like that. Put ice and baggies on top of the screen. I mean. Exactly. And then absolutely unplug um, any kind of heating elements. And that's not to say that they're still running when the power outage is on. It's if you're especially like in a brownout situation where the power might flick on and off as it goes, your herpostat or your other thermostat might not function correctly or it might get triggered after the fact. And it's to prevent something horrible from happening, like a fire, which will cause a whole new set of disasters, or your animal being cooked. Right. So, in anything, I think I think one of the big things you said that people should do is unplug your stats and just... And the heating element. And the heating element. Do both. Do not just do the stat and then <laughs> well, leave the damn heating, heating element. The element is into the stat, but shut off all your heating. Um, but no, I mean, just especially if there's power surges or if it's a storm that caused it and you're house gets hit by lightning or something like that, you know, and causes a, a power surge. You could trip your thermostat to be on all the time. You could cook your animals. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. Um, but anyway, so anytime, so I mean, we're going to talk snowstorms. Um, heat up your house, boil water, make sure to have heat packs around, have coolers, um, have containers for your animals to move them in. Um, any type of non-electrical heating that you might need is good to have around. Um, and then... Blankets and things to cover the windows. Try and create as warm of a space that holds as much heat as you can. Um, and then for any other types, uh, any heat type uh, weather, severe weather, just try and keep your animals as cool as possible. Unplug all their heat. And for anything like a tornado, just having some kind of plan in place is going to be good. There's one more tip. I'm so sorry. One more tip. <laughs> There's just one more tip for if you have the severe cold and because I did this. And you have a power outage and you don't know how long it's going to be. If you take your animals out and you put them into Rubbermaid containers or anything like that, and you're going to put them onto heat packs, totally fine and great. If you have herbivores that are eating hay, put hay on the bottom so that that's going to help insulate them a little bit. But also, if you're going to have them in your home and you don't have carpets or some place that you can put them that's um, a little bit cushioned or insulated... If you have like blankets you can put down or even blowing up an air mattress and then putting the um, Rubbermaid containers on top of the air mattress will help also hold some of the heat in too. Yeah, so they're not so. sitting on the cold floor. Now I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you got to add stuff in as you want. Um, so the next thing I think you kind of want to be aware of, so what is a storm? That's going to be a day, maybe two, um, hopefully nothing too big we're talking snowstorms power outages things like that so i think the next kind of term of time that you need to be aware of would be any kind of long-term boarding that you're going to have where you need we're going to say more than two weeks you need someone to watch your animal um maybe that's military deployment hospitalization um could be evacuations for things there's a lot of reasons you may not be home or ready to take or able to take care of your animal for long terms of time um, or, or a longer period of time. So what uh, what kind of options do you have? And Eric, I think you might have a lot a, a decent um, place to start with this one just because of the rescue um, and because of uh, working with the, the, um, the clinic. Um, so actually, this was one that I didn't know 
previously, to be honest. Um, I was actually just looking up options for reptile people because there's really not a lot of options for not even just reptile people, but exotic animal keepers to have a foster-based situation. A lot of times, uh, reptile, or I'm sorry, a lot of times animal rescues such as dog and cat and horse rescues and things like that will do foster programs for people who are doing deployments or um, situations like that, like national disaster emergencies. But when it comes to something smaller, such as um, my my family's being hospitalized or our child got sick and we need the dog to go somewhere or we need the iguana to go somewhere temporarily or, you know, somebody needs to just watch this animal for a bit of time, there really hasn't been any options for exotic animal keepers. Exotics are often and frequently overlooked mainly because there's a little bit of a, ooh, it's going to be scary or destroy my house kind of situation that goes with it. So I found um, PACT, which is P-A-C-T, for animals. And they're a 501c3 um, not-for-profit that's based in Pennsylvania, actually. And their whole organization is centered around fostering um, animals. And so on their website, they only show dog and cat, really. But when I contacted them, they were super amazing to talk to they were very open about things they offered um, more information if I needed information on how to reach out within the first two exchanges they were asking if I needed assistance or how they could help they were very very um, they were just wonderful people to work um, talk to but they actually focus on people who are being hospitalized they're focusing on military personnel and then just people who need temporary foster homes and they do so nationwide. So they started in Pennsylvania and then branched out from there. And now they have over 400 foster homes available. And it's all charitable and done at no expense. The people don't get paid to foster. And the only money that's exchanged between the pet owner and the foster is honestly just to care for the animal. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. But they are open to reptiles, and they're open to all other exotic animals. So that's packedforanimals.org. And I was blown away um, looking through their website at some of the amazing work they do and the testimonials they have as well. That's really cool. I've never heard of that either. Um, But when it comes to other resources, there really isn't any, to to be completely honest. Bill, have you were actually... In the military, do you know of any options for exotics, like people who have exotics that were deploying or anything? Uh, it was me yeah, on, okay. Fort, on, Fort, on Fort Benning, the uh, largest yep, military them. installation in the United States at the time. Uh, it was me. Um, so as a member of the military. actually also did too. <laughs> yeah, and it was a disaster, so that's why it ended up being me. Uh, as well, a person who was in the military, incident. if you are single – uh, don't have pets is my policy because your entire job is to leave the country for long periods of time and animals rely on you for every portion of their life and you don't have a life because the government owns you. So don't take somebody else's life into your hands. kind of jaded. I yeah, hate that. Wow. I hate it. It, it is, um, it is it, irresponsible. It, it drives is. me up the wall. I was married. I had a fish tank. Mm-hmm. You ended up taking care of it entirely. Yeah. And then when I. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a saltwater tank and it was ridiculous and I got super into it. And then again, when I left the military and continued my federal service, 
and left to he went because that is what my current federal service does tank. is causes you to leave the house for long periods of time. My son killed my fish tank by dumping an entire bottle of food and an entire bottle of alkaline supplement into a reef. Whoa. Yes, it, which was my responsibility, and I was not in this part of the country when it happened. It is irresponsible when you know you're going to have long yeah, periods of time where you are away. This is not referring I agree, to people but I, with but I'm saying, the reason, and family and things like that. The reason that. it's but one of those things single, where people are like, oh, I can never find a place to do this. It's like, well, because most people who are in that realm, who are in the rescue realm, probably sit and think to themselves, dude, you totally shouldn't get a pet. You're going to leave the country for 18 months. That's a terrible plan. Please don't do that. It's going to end up in a reptile rescue. And then it does. Right. So or in my house, because I'm the one dude on base you knew who had a lizard tattoo. <laughs> so barring death, um, when it comes to military deployment, if you are heading into the military or are active within the military, don't get buy married. pets. Makes sense. Or get married. <laughs> there or, you go. Make somebody else's yes. problem. If you have a job or a profession where there is a strong likelihood you will have to live in another country, this falls under the same thing because you cannot take those things with you most of the time. And if you do, it's a the process is process crazy and a quarantine. Um, so it, it honestly, I know it sucks, but it just isn't worth it to be involved in the hobby. And from the pet owner standpoint, when your life or lifestyle doesn't support it. No, absolutely. And that makes sense. I mean, if you're, if you know, you're going to be gone all the time, you know, don't, get a pet at that point. But there are a lot of people who end up in that position that already had a pet. Um, so when we're talking about any time, there are options now that we've made it. Erica found a website and then there's other stuff. Uh. So, so <laughs> to wrap up what I've now found is an absolutely hot open wound for you guys. Um <laughs> One of the things is if you have a job or are in the military or are going to be ho not home all the time, just don't have pets. But for, that, for, that should uh, be pet responsibility. That should be a responsible pet owner, period. That should not just be yeah. for. I don't know why Fluffy tore up the couch. Yeah. Oh, that's why. I don't know why my hugely social, visually cued iguana, agamid, tortoise, any other thing isn't doing well. Because you don't provide any visual cues or social interactions. Sorry. Come on, Anyways, man. go back Again, to your wrap-up of yeah, this I'm one. Anyway, trying. I feel like <laughs> most of these are pretty straightforward. It's just okay. it's right. to get a kit we've, and make a plan that most people don't do. Like, oh, everybody had a first aid kit or whatever, and then you don't. Mm -hmm. These things are all very similar to that. So all we're doing is telling people, oh, hey, you hey, know. Hey, you know when they said at your school that you need to make a tornado to get a and kit a fire and make a plan? plan? Yeah, do that. And then include a ball python. <laughs> to, to wrap up that thought is something that maybe not everybody thinks about. But if you have a job that is going to cause you to have to travel a lot or be overseas or whatever. And you and at the time that you start that job or during that job, you don't have a pet. Probably not a good time to get one. However, yes. for everyone else that has a pet before that happens, um, that website erica talked about is really cool but there's also other options especially when it comes to reptiles and amphibians um you know that's something that honestly i don't even know if a lot of people talk about but talk to your family 
Talk to your friends. Who's going to babysit your animals? What is what is your plan? Who's your go to when you you end up if something happens and you're in the hospital for a while or um, something happens that you need someone to to take care of your animals for more than a couple weeks. So um, and a good way to find local resources would be to join, join your, local your local herb, herb society. society. Yeah, I was going to say that is when you guys were talking <laughs> earlier that one place that's good is herb society. And we get that once in a while. We've gotten where. We had um, someone who was moving, but it was a month in between houses, and they were staying with friends or something. And before the, we, you know, one house closed, and then they bought the other one. There was a gap, so they asked the Herb Society if anybody would be willing to take care of their animal for a month um, because they didn't really have a place they were sleeping on a friend's couch until everything happened. Um, and there's lots of things that happen like that, you know. So just being able to have that resource to reach out to, if you do go to like a local pet store, uh, there are a lot of pet stores. There's actually even sometimes dog boarding places that'll do it. If you call around, you can find places. Just realize if you are going to take it somewhere, it's going to cost you. Um, and mm-hmm. it, sometimes it's not bad, um, and sometimes it's more. Erica's done that before. Um, she had some clients from years ago that she still does pet sitting once in a while with reptiles. Um, we have somebody... We have a leopard tortoise we get about every other month for about a month at a time. Um, and he's had the tortoise forever. I love um, him. Even before he started traveling like this. Uh, and he's known Erica for our, I don't know, you long, how long have you known him? The entirety of the tortoise's life? <laughs> right. So long, at least 10 years. <laughs> um, but that's that's somebody he knows he has us. He knows he has us to watch the animals. Um, and, and we always know well in advance when he's leaving and when he's coming back and things like that. And, and if something happens, he knows that we will take it. If yeah, something absolutely. happens, we'll take him in. And... Yep. So, I mean, having making those kind of calls and just being aware of what's around you is going to be important. Um, when I worked at a pet store in college, we would hold people's animals for a certain amount of day. Um, we, we had MB, The only people that ever used that were like, there was two NBA players that used it. Um, because I think that's the only people who could afford what the owner of the store we were in charged, um, for, for long periods of time. He ended up owing us thousands of dollars every time he left the city. Um, oh, wow. yeah, but he was gone for like two or three months. Um, wow. and it was a decent amount of animals, but just having that, like being aware uh, of what you're going to do if something like that happens, having the talk, having talks to some friends and things like that. The other thing you really want to do too, um, is make sure your friends and family know, uh, what your plan is, not just you. Um, what if it's you end up again, these are all horrible scenarios, but what if you end up in a car accident and you're not conscious for a while and you're in the hospital for a while? What, who is your go-to person? Do you have, um, contact information somewhere? Like if you can't just have everything in your phone and tell your mom, yeah, just call this guy. Cause in the middle of a, of a panic or of something happening, you, they're not going to remember who to oh, call. No, let's be real. If you're going, hey, mom, get into my phone, how many mothers can get into your phone? Oh, right. Absolutely. How many significant others can? Me and you are really weird because we can get into each other's phones, but that's not the case for most people. Right. So, not everybody can do that or get into everybody's shared accounts. So having that information somewhere is good, like a wallet alert. Yeah. So one thing that Erica had kind of written down in some of the notes as she written was... down? Written down. Written down. Nice typed up, whatever, as, as, as some of the notes as we were looking into this, um, is having a bright orange folder or having some kind of folder or small binder clearly labeled anim- emergency animal care. Um, having an inventory or a list of the animals that you currently have, um, even a, a, a layout, just a quick sketch layout of the house and photos of each one so that, like, where are the tanks, where are the animals? If it was an emergency, 
and something happened and I need to get the animals out of the house or I, I, what, what do I need to know? I need to know where they're at. I need to know where their carrying cages are. Um, um, what their where, you know, ways to ID them. Um, care and you're going to need to leave care instructions. So care sheet, maybe it's a care sheet or maybe it's specific instructions per the, per animal. Um, a veterinarian's name. If there's any animals you need permits for having a copy of the permits, um, that's going to be a big deal, especially in our state. If something happens to, uh, Erica, um, and, and I, she, the crocodilians are, are on her permit and something happens to her that I at least have access to those permits and know where that stuff is so that if anything happens, I have it. And then also who the contact person is for permits too, such as in Florida, when you have the permitting system in Florida, you need to have these protocols in place, but you're also going to need to know who your state officials are for that because they take it really serious down there. And it's a really big deal. Um, in Illinois, everybody already knows who our state herpetologist is, and we have you know exactly who they need to contact. But there are some states where that's not the case. They might not be able to form a relationship with just one person. It might be an actual chain of command they have to go through. So highlighting um, any any of your wildlife agents yes highlighting the path of who they would have like that person would have to contact is important right and don't assume like you said everybody knows who our agent or our state herpetologist is um we know that i promise if something happened to us and your mom and dad showed up to take care of the animals they don't know who it is other than and then just permanent care provisions and provisional information like if it's going to be more than a couple weeks if something happens to you um, outside of that. Like, to say it's a deployment, unfortunately, sometimes people, you don't come back. Um, if that's the case, what what do you want that person to do with your animals? Um, and another thing, too, is just making sure that those whoever that is has any kind of documentation that you've signed stating that they have the ability to um, deal with medical care for the animals, that um, if something happens to you and the animals need to find new homes or are going to be sold that they have the right to do that things like that so those are all just things to think about uh in, in, when it comes to that kind of stuff so i just wanted to throw down on one part of this in this hobby so right people here ryan and i go back and forth with Teresa and erica about getting animals or having animals or whatever this particular subject is why you – I can't really tell people what to do in their marriage or whatever, but I'm going to anyway because I get to be on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you need to be straight up with your significant other or if you're a single person with your family or friend or whoever it is about what you have, about what animals you have, what they are worth, and, and those type of things. Like somebody other than you – Needs, needs to know, to know that information in the event that you aren't there. So we mm-hmm. actually I, – I have come into possession of animals because of this very thing. So I had a couple of tegus, um, the actual – the rhinoceros iguana we were just talking about yeah. before the episode started. Um, a man passed away and his wife was not into the reptile hobby and she literally knew nothing. I mean nothing about reptiles. She didn't know what the animals were. She didn't know what they were worth. She didn't know what to feed them. Nothing. And he had animals that were federally listed. He had animals that had very serious paperwork attached to them. He coincidentally was very wealthy. Um, 
And I got the animals that I got through a friend of his who stepped up and was well-versed in, in reptiles um, and was trying to help the widow out by selling some of the animals and moving them for her and whatnot. Um, but I, I never met the man, the deceased man's wife. I only ever met the friend. She had no idea. I knew the situation and, the, and, and the, that the man had honestly passed away. But I was relying on this friend who I didn't personally know to give the woman the money because he handled the animal transactions. Um, the man who passed away had some younger iguanas, which go through a color change. And so they were trying to find the paperwork for the imports. And like it, there was a lot of different things going on. And none of it was shady. It was all above board. It was just a group of people who legitimately did not know this information and a grieving widow who was trying to dig through her husband's desk to find import papers for iguanas that she doesn't know or care about. But the friends didn't want her to lose out on a significant amount of income because these were very expensive animals. It was just a nightmare. If your significant other or your family are into it or you're the only reptile nerd in your group or whatever, that's fine. Um, but the reason Erica is saying, you know, make a folder or, or label these things, have this stuff written down is maybe you don't have a spouse who is like the spouses who are on this podcast. Like I, if I passed away tomorrow, Teresa knows what all the stuff we have is, and she has a ton of resources to call people. It wouldn't be that I didn't tell her the price it might be, hey, I don't remember what we paid for this gecko. You know, what do you think or, or whatever? It would just be questions. It wouldn't be a complete lack of knowledge about herpticulture. So you just need to be aware of your relationships. I mean, again, I can't really tell you how to talk to your spouse, but like you need to be truthful about what you have, you know, especially I mean, I would assume that you would as things get more serious and more dangerous. But if you do have animals that can be dangerous that is to me more important than the money you know i obviously you don't want a deceased loved one or you know you want to leave them well off or what have you you don't want them to be shortchanged but when you talk about animals that can be dangerous or have serious consequences you know that's when things need to be labeled you need to have had conversations you know or you know have have a list that says don't touch any of these things Call Ryan and Bill. Don't touch you know, the black or, box you know, with the big Ryan X has on my list <laughs> of stuff that's not cool to touch, you know, or, or what have you. But they need to know that way before they're in the frame of mind where they're planning a funeral or some terrible thing where you're in the hospital. And then on top of that, you know, you wake up from the two days you were out cold from the car wreck and you're like, oh, holy crap, you didn't touch the green aquarium, did you? Because it might have killed you. Like, you know, that's yeah. not the conversation you want to have. And it's not when you want to learn. Um, it's but also a thing. If you're going to have those conversations, like when you're getting animals and you're in that kind of a relationship where, you know, you're looking at an animal that's going to be more valuable. I love about that. It's totally don't lie about the value of the animal. Like lie about what you paid for it. Don't lie about what the value is because that's, Going, that could potentially have your spouse lose a whole bunch of money or your children lose a whole bunch of money yep. if that's an asset yep. they have to sell. Because if I think, you know, oh, okay, you know, he told me that we got this, you know, 
a bronia or something like that for like twenty dollars and it wasn't and I I'm sold it for twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like and I would have to hope do that make sure you specify that your friends get first tips. Exactly. Like I would have to hope it would go to somebody who would <laughs> right. you know take Tell care you. of me. But but that's something so we actually have just for our own inventory and list, a list of every animal we have, scientific and, and common name if it has one, um, how old it is, any notes we want on it, and we also have their values. And maybe once or twice a year as I'm in there updating other stuff, um, we'll, we'll update values if, if we know something got swung really far one way or another. Even and if we don't off. know. Because yeah. a lot of times we didn't know. And right. all of a sudden we're like, oh, that's worth less. Or, Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, like the Argentine boas. I was like, I remember getting those for you know a couple hundred bucks. It's no big deal. And then I found someone selling a pair for twenty eight hundred, and there's none of them that are under a thousand bucks each now. So yeah, that would have been bad if something happened to me. And Erica sold my the pair of Argentines for three three hundred bucks. Those would have just gone to Billy as a yeah, right. Maybe just gave them away. Um, I would have Bill's... definitely taken care of your kids' college fund later on with boa babies. <laughs> Bill's grandma did that one time because he uh, left yes. his this uh, animals is a, in uh, her true house. To life story that uh, Bill's grandma, who hopefully doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, Bill's uh, grandma who he loves away. dearly. No, she she Bill's passed grandma away. passed away. Um, and she's so, definitely listening to you. Yeah. So she's definitely so, sitting up there being um, like, I told you I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um I was in college and I had a pair of uh, adult pair of Mellers chameleons uh <gasps> oh, that no. were that were not imports at the time, which even now wow. would be really really even rare. Now for that's them. crazy. Yeah, it uh, it was it was a lot crazy then, um, and I, I didn't get him as adults. I, I raised him to two adults, um, and things changed at college, and I could not keep my animals at college the way that I was. So I brought my animals home, and I had a small collection of obviously really high end lizards um, stored at my grandmother's house, and I was not home i i went back to college and I, of course since we just talked about Teresa's mom keeping a year of mastics alive our family is kind of well versed <laughs> in reptiles at this point in our lives um they were they were taking care of stuff for me they were super cool old people that had all kinds of crazy lizards at the time and um someone i didn't know i i still we're don't not know the sure how full details uh showed up on my grandparents doorstep and told them that they had arranged to buy the animals from me and gave my grandma, I want to like, say like 250 yeah, bucks. Yeah, it was like <gasps> a couple hundred dollars. Uh, it was a couple hundred bucks. And she gave them two 20 plus inch chameleons. <gasps> and uh, didn't And, and didn't she didn't say get any information me. from them? No, no. Just because she didn't, Billy and, said you could have them. Yeah. And she didn't say anything to me. Yeah, this was obviously well before every everybody texts and everything. This right. was years and years ago. Um, so I came home a weekend or two later, maybe. I don't know. It wasn't that long because uh, I went to college pretty close to home. And I came in and there was an envelope on the kitchen table with my name on it and money in it. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's the money for your chameleons. Uh, I 
I took care of it. He didn't want the enclosures, so Grandpa unplugged the lights and stuff. They're in the garage. And I was like, and I was like, what? And I went to the spare bedroom where the lizards were, and there was my Chuck Wallas and my weird stuff. And there was a big open square, or two big open squares, where the two enclosures were. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what happened. And I opened up the envelope, and I was like, Grandma, and I didn't say anything at the time. But it that was like 10% of the money that should have been in that envelope, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I went out in the garage, and there were two disassembled and unplugged chameleon cages that my grandpa put away for me. And they were ghosts. They were gone. Um, because – and actually that is – plays right into what we were saying. I It wasn't a thing where I was trying to hide it from my significant other – um, but I didn't tell my grandparents how expensive my animals were because they had no reference. Well, but I didn't want them to be nervous about caring for things because they knew what they were doing, but they just thought it was fun. You know, right. like they, they like making salads for the Euromastics. Like they just, it was just like a fun retired thing for them to do. And it, you know, there was no expense for them or anything. It was my stuff and they just did it to have a hobby. And so I didn't say anything about the money because that was on me. Like I did, I was kind of embarrassed that I had expensive stuff and, you know, I didn't want to put my grandparents in a spot or whatever. But then as a result of that, she didn't think but twice had... that somebody, she was like, yeah, 250 bucks for lizards. Like those That's are expensive. That's a lot, yeah, right? It's like, oh. you know, because she had no frame of reference. And I, at the time I was obviously significantly younger. Um, I was weird about telling her like, Hey, instead of buying a car, I bought these chameleons, <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, man, uh, that's it, how I lost it, an adult pair of Miller's chameleons. It definitely backfired exactly sweet. the way you think it would. Yeah. So because... like most of the episodes for all of you listeners out there, uh, we don't just make up episode topics. We actually talk about crap that happened to us. So it won't <laughs> happen to you because... In 2020, adult Mellers chameleons that aren't dead imports are expensive and giant and amazing, and uh, you don't want to lose them because your grandma thinks they're veiled. Right? <laughs> and in 2010 is when Bill Bradley shed a tear over his Mellers chameleons. Okay, you know, I don't even see Mellers chameleons anymore. That hurts. Uh, I actually used to be part of a group. On Yahoo Mail, a Yahoo Mail group. That's And that's where that's we had thought that, that maybe that they had um, found out that you had them, right? Yes, actually, I do think that's how that happened. Uh, be careful on the internet, kids. But that's how long ago this was. That I the When I was when I was a part of there Captain weren't Fred podcasts. Mellers, yeah. There, <laughs> there was a MySpace. Thank you very much. You know, um, <laughs> that's how you get all the cool music. Um, yeah, man, it was, that was straight up a Yahoo mail chat group about Mellor's chameleons. That was, nice. it was a long, long time ago and very sad. Thanks for bringing up this episode. Yeah, <laughs> anything we can do. So, so back to the folder, clearly labeled emergency animal care, inventory of your animals, map of the house of where they're at, photos for, ID, for helping ID, which, which is which if you can. Care instructions, your veterinary information, copies of your permits, 
um, permit contact information. So your wildlife agent or uh, government agency, um, permanent care provision information. So basically, if somebody ends up with these animals long term, what are is there anything they need to know? And then this one you may want to do would be something like a will or a trust or what happens to the at least even if you just literally write a letter of no what? no no that the leather thing the mm, no mm-mm. okay the we'll get to the, the we'll get to the death part in a second <laughs> we'll get to the death part in a second. Erica did a lot of research and uh, is really excited to talk about all of you dying. Um, Ryan, <laughs> oh, er- Erica, crazy. On your research, I do have a question. Is more of an Illinois specific thing, but folks might want to consider how their permits in other states are done as well. Uh, so Teresa is our permit holder, mm-hmm. and I am listed on that as a person who works under her, or however mm-hmm. the verbiage is, right? Mm-hmm. So wait, am I on that? How I'm not. Bill is. So we are. So wait. So when I die, they get my Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> or when you die, they, uh, they I don't even You're get to keep. On it. Shut up. Okay. Good. Yeah. I think everybody in the rest. So my yeah. <coughs> that is something Excuse that me. people need to bear in mind is now I'm not saying it will go this way, but if you if if that were legit, right? So Erica has a permit, and it's just got Erica's name on it, okay, and so she passes away. It will be something where Ryan would have to file a permit, have to go through these processes. Now, in our state, it the the things that we keep that require permits, there actually aren't that many keepers. It's a really small group. You know, the state is able to process those things fairly easily. You know, that when Eric, for people who are listening, when Erica talks about, uh, we're all aware of the state folks and in, in Department of Natural Resources, it's because we're a very small community in Illinois. It isn't like a place like Florida where there is significantly larger numbers of keepers due to their habitat and climate and things like that. So it probably would be a little easier for us, but people need to bear in mind that IDNR or whatever your state's version of IDNR can come to you and say, okay, well this permit person doesn't exist. You know, they are deceased and your name's not on it, which means you can't have this animal in your home. You know, it, I'm not saying it would go that way, but you need to be aware of those things. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, being straight with your spouse or significant other about price and, and so on and so forth. Like, even if they're not into the hobby, you know, you should think about including them in your paperwork or whatever your state requires so that when you do pass away, it isn't a matter of confiscation that they actually can do a sale or, or whatever your state allows that you you really do need to include the people in your life in this part of your life especially when you get to the level that a lot of us are at of paperwork and permits and legal documents um if you're the only one in the legal document and you are deceased then that kind of nullifies the document and then the state has to do what the state has to do and go through their process um so that's just something to bear in mind so, so far, it looks like with the state, when it comes down to it, if you're on the paperwork as somebody that's, you know, on there, like, allowed to work with the animal, um, then that, they can't, so, what happens is, like, you guys couldn't take one of my permitted animals to an event without me. 
but you can work with the animal at a permanent event as long as I'm there overseeing it. Um, so that's yeah, where the, the verbiage of the permit is that we're under you. Yeah, so that's where yes. it gets kind of tricky. So I don't know how that would work for a case of something like hospitalization. I do know that when it comes to an animal being permitted, if they're going to like the veterinary hospital or anything like that, you have to contact IDNR because they have to have it um, like documented and they're allowed to have it for a certain amount of time because like the care of that animal kind of extends out. Sure. Um, so I oh, think that, that's it would what just saying. be like, they would have to contact, but even in the case of like a death, I think it would be something like you guys would be able to keep the animal without fear of, you know, any kind of, yeah, without confiscation or anything like that. But it would have to be a, like immediately upon, you know, immediately upon like it. somebody right. you says, applied for yeah. that. But at permit. least that yeah. way, the, the, the government entity that in whatever state you live in that oversees these things, if so, Erica passes away and Ryan doesn't want them or something. And then, so, okay, Bill and Teresa's name are on the permit because they're board members and they also have a permit, whatnot, what and so forth. We both die. Okay. We're going to know who to blame. Just saying. But just, right. just listen. No, so <laughs> but when you go to, to your state's version of IDNR and you say, hey, we're Bill and Teresa Bradley. Uh, Erica passed away and we were under her on this permit. We want to file a permit to house these animals. You know, like – all of those are things that the state can verify. Right. Like these are all legal documents. Like, hey, she passed away. Here's the piece of paper that says she passed away. You know, we were already on this piece of paper that you understand because it's the permit. Uh, we weren't the person who it was issued to, but that person has passed away. So we're, you know, all of these things make sense, right? If if you just show up, even if you're that person's spouse, they've never heard of you. Your name's not on anything. You're not on and anything. you're like, oh hey. Jim died and I'm Sally and I'm here for the Crocs. And the, I want to sell them. You know, well, you don't have a permit. You're not selling them for anything. But, but even to possess them, you know, yeah. that, that person at, at the government side of things turns around and is like, I've never met you. I've never heard mm -hmm. of you. If you were in a state that requires hours or training mm -hmm. or all, like, I don't know you. I don't know your insurance. Is your insurance agent cool with you taking this? Who are you? Yeah. You're going to have to prove all those things. Like there are that a ton of things that, that you don't want to do. Way definitely been done very after you're dealing with someone being deceased. Yeah. Right. Well, or, and or, the other thing too is like you you don't you want to. What was I going to say? I have no idea. But can we stop offing me in every single freaking example? Just saying. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but your I stuff mean, is so much cooler than my stuff. It is not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the You have the coolest yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you have my... no argument for being the smallest one. No, we don't have an argument for no, not I got nothing. those Crocs. We, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but and that all of that should be definitely part of like part of the stuff you write out, you know, with the permits and like you mean your freaking marriage. But vows. it's right. And there's, but there's other, <laughs> there's other stuff to think about like that. So make sure, if you know, you die, I won't kill your animals right like, behind but, you, but make sure the worst one thing that would scare me, especially with some of the stuff we work with, or especially if it's a permitted species within the state you're in, or it's something endangered. Um, 
that animal might just kind of disappear into the abyss, unfortunately. Like, if the, there's no way to permit it, and there's somebody that doesn't have it, it can't be transferred to somebody. Um, DNR or Fish and Wildlife has to take the animal in, or they end up taking it to a zoo or something because you don't have somebody with the right paperwork behind you to take care of it. So that's something to absolutely make sure you have done. Um, and one thing we keep kind of saying is like, hopefully your wife is like ours or maybe they're not, uh, or maybe they're not like a reptile person and they won't know. Um, even if your significant other or, or person that's the next person in line to handle the animals, if, if you can't is a hardcore reptile nerd, still have a plan, still have a plan because if it came down to something happening to me and everything in the house falling on Erica and her having to do it all, I wouldn't want her to. And I wouldn't want her to feel like she has to keep all of our projects going for me. And, and that also would be the worst oh, time to ask her to. Like, right, absolutely. I'm going to die. Can you know? But I'm going to die. Here's these five million other responsibilities. Right. <laughs> And, and I find the yellow anaconda in my death memory. <laughs> oh, I, but I've seen that with people where, where their significant <laughs> other passes away, and they want to hold on to all that stuff. But if it's if it's not within the realm of what you can handle, even as a reptile person, like right. you're not going to want to take that on. Because I promise, the what's going to be Bird worse? People have this problem, right? What? What's going to be worse than you having like take it like? What what would be worse than have, finding those animals new homes? And you'll fe- you may feel like you're letting that person down if you're letting go of some of the animals. I promise it'll feel a hundred times worse if you're run so thin you can't care for those animals properly and they all start dying. Like oh, that, you'll feel so much worse. So well, or or you'll begrudge the person. Right, mm. and 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 that's that's a huge responsibility to drop on somebody, even somebody who you believe is ready for it or you've talked about it like that's something i've told erica if if something happens to me in if you wanted to keep something for me these are the things that i think it would be awesome if you kept working with and but half of them i was like nope half of them are the ones you are want you want to work with anyway nope mac lot you did you're going yeah. the door. i'm not keeping the yellow anaconda <laughs> but like that's something to talk about like i told her i'm like i think you know the spinulosis the offenberg eye and the timor pythons would be the things i'd love for you to keep and no that's crap, something i worked the hardest with them. i know that's something you're passionate about too but there's a lot of other stuff where i'm like no i don't care about any of the other stuff if you got down to 10 animals i don't care as long as it's something that makes you happy i don't i don't want her to have to feel like that weight is on now on her shoulders if i'm not there you know, and as a, and honestly, I feel like just because she's a reptile person and another person who is a, a big, you know, ha- animal person, it, it ends up being harder for her or someone in that position to let go of those animals because you have the knowledge and ability. Um, not maybe not you, okay, anybody, but it, it can it can be harder because you have that knowledge and ability, so you feel like you have to take it on. Sell everything but the tegus and buy a hyena. There you go. Oh my god, yeah, do it. Bill, how are you I'm feeling right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, last the only person on this podcast amazing. who's had a heart attack, I should probably not talk like that. Mm, good point. <laughs> you were not in the same country as I was when you had your heart attack. It could not be blamed on me. So, next up to talk about is one of the last <laughs> things before we get to, to, to 
death or someone, you know, not wanting their animal or whatever. The animals are completely, the person's totally out of the picture, a confiscation, whatever. Um, and you end up with a bunch of animals that you weren't ready for. Before we get there, let's talk about home evacuation. Um, and this would be, so the first one is severe weather. We're talking a day or two. Uh, long-term boarding, you're going to be out of town, you're in the hospital, something where you need somebody to watch your animal for a couple weeks, maybe a month. Home evacuation is something where this is another emergency that people need to be ready for, and it depends on your area. Maybe it's a fire in your home where half of your home is no longer able to be used. Maybe the animals aren't in that half. Well, how are you going to move them? Um, maybe you've got um, flooding or, or, or a hurricane coming and you need to get your animals and you out of the area. Um, maybe there's flooding and you can get in a, and you know there's storms coming. Um, any type of reason that you won't be around your house or that you're going to be um, leaving for a long period of time. So some things to think about there, I think, kind of go back to a lot of the severe weather stuff that we talked about, but really just being aware of how are you going to care for the animals um, how are you going to transport them? Where are you going? What is your backup plan? Like if you had to evacuate your house um, tomorrow because there was flooding in your area, where are you going? Can you bring your animals? That's another thing too. Like maybe you know that more than likely if something happened, growing up around the Rock River up in Wisconsin, like it flooded every year. There were people in those areas that just knew there's a good chance they weren't going to be at their house part of the year. Um, and if you end up being that person um, – the person's whose house you go to, who's your backup? Where is your backup? Are they okay with you bringing over 20 reptiles? Don't piss you know? off your backup. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, and just keeping that kind of stuff up to date, but I don't know if there's anything else home evacuation wise we could add other than just like have the stuff to transport your animals, know your backup plan, uh, have at least some, you know, and talk about that stuff once a year or so reach out to the people, make sure that they're still okay with it. Um, that, that are your so, contacts. And, in the realm of natural disaster type things, um, I most of this episode we were joking. It sounds like get a kit, make a plan, right? It's it's the whole, you know, dare disaster, all the stuff you learn in school as a kid. Um, FEMA actually does have the whole get a kit, make a plan. That's basically the entire premise of their existence. Um, but they they do have resources for pets. Uh, a lot of hotels nowadays do accept pets, especially in times During of natural time. disaster. Right. Uh, you know, in, in the American Southeast, you know, it, it, during hurricane season, a lot of the really hardcore rules and regulations for hotels, everybody's pretty cool about, you know, that things start to get a little more relaxed. Um, and the government agencies that do oversee these things do have plans and assistance in place for people who have pets. And it does include exotics. Um, that is still something where you, you need to realize that you're going to be talking to people who won't be well versed in that and probably won't have a lot of very specific resources and things to help you. Or may not um, have a love of your pets. Or might so be terrified the first of snakes. response, response um, is going to go, ooh. But, so you just have to be prepared for that. But those, <laughs> those people and those agencies do exist. And in times of natural disaster, you will have access to resources so that that is that is a pretty huge change from when people like us were growing up right um, mm -hmm. you know it used to be like motels on i-80 or old route 66 you could take like a dog or something but yeah. if it was a hotel not a motel then you couldn't you know like get fancy you can't have a pet or something right um you know nowadays a lot of companies have different policies they're a lot more lenient for those things 
Um, and as the government has gone through disasters and changed policies and whatnot and so forth, especially as, I mean, pet ownership in the United States is very prevalent. Um, so there are resources available during times of natural disaster. Absolutely. Well, and those are all good notes. I mean, there's definitely more stuff out there than there used to be. But um, but just, again, no, right back to what you said. Have a plan. Make a kit. Be ready. Um, check your kit. Don't be that guy. You reach out to and your I'll... contacts. And have, have an envelope with all your stuff. And let people – the other thing, too, is this is, sounds stupid, too. Let people know where it is. Like, if, if you're in your house – and and you're, let your what like you know, let your significant other know. Hey, if anything happens, here is the emergency kit, and here is the binder of everything you need to know. So, for the record, he keeps saying, "Let your wife know. Let your wife know." But in this house, you know? if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be me. <laughs> oh that yeah, makes no, you're it. definitely making. So it. it's going to be let the person who's not going to have a clue where it is know. Doesn't matter who it is. Let just let them know. know. Put neon lights towards. But it, that's why arrows. it should be bright orange, because I'm pretty sure. Bill, um, can you see bright orange? <laughs> Sorry, I told. Whatever you called yourself. A colorblind guy. He, yes. Co- yeah, uh, you can. see these colors? Actually, whatever he called himself out earlier. in a living room that is painted orange. He had called himself out earlier. I actually took great care not to call him out on being colorblind earlier, and he called himself out on it. So shut <laughs> it. Don't look at me that way. Color deficient, don't judge me. Um, I didn't! I was the orange. (laughs) Thank you for maxing out your microphone again. Um, Something that people need to be aware of, and it's it's a little bit different considering for Teresa and I with a facility and the number of animals that we have, Um, but I actually have given a tour to the fire department here in Dwight, Yes, to several police officers, uh, and the previous facility we had was in a different town, a couple of highway exits up. Did the that, same thing. And we didn't live in that town at the time. We we live in Dwight, so it's a little different that we're local. Um, but we did the same thing. You know, that I saw the guys out taking the ambulance to get food or something, and I talked to them. I gave the fire chief a tour or, or what have you. Um, it probably isn't as big of a deal if you don't have a large collection, but you, you need to be aware of those things. I know a lot of people are, are big-time social media keepers, right? Um but there are lots of people who keep really cool and crazy things and don't always put it on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> right. um, mm-hmm. A lot of those type of people are friends with people like Ryan and Erica. So as they listen to the podcast to support their friends, I would encourage your very private selves to At privately least. talk to people like that. You don't have to blast it all over your town that you have cool things or crazy things. Um, but the people who might be coming to help you, or the people who might be coming to save you should know that if there's a fire in my house and it's in the basement, it might be because of the crocodiles like that. Like the dude who's coming from the ambulance needs to know that. And that's coming from me. I'm the dude on the ambulance. So So, just um, as a caveat to that though, I do think one, this is if you have a large animal collection, Anybody who has their three leopard geckos and bearded dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to talk to your fire department. Well, but it's common sense. Yeah, yeah. but at the, it's just, you're just putting this out there. So anyone with a large collection, and then two, allowing people to come over and, and or just to know what you have, people in that authority is definitely going to be a positive too. Um, and having a relationship with those people. Though, yeah, again, don't go you know, telling everybody everything you have, and that's why the, that's not what you need to do. But... It's more for bigger facilities to have an action plan when things and, and a relationship yeah. with, with yes. local authorities and things like that. 
So if you <laughs> if you end up in a situation, whether maybe it's long term and it turns into something else, a death, a hospitalization, something like that, or it's sudden. Death is um, about as long term as it gets. Right? But not, <laughs> not but always. Right? Uh, yeah. She's brought stuff back from the dead. She's creepy like that. Um, but awesome at the not same time. Not people. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, there's people out there that have been brought back. But either way, if you die, <laughs> things you need to know. Now, there's some pre-planning. If <laughs> Actually, you die, this. if you, you die, things you need to know when you die. I like it. Yeah, when, once you're dead, you need to what be aware the of these of the things. Book in Beetlejuice, oh. hand, hand guide for the newly dead. <laughs> for the yes. recently deceased. This is the reptile hand guide for the newly dead. No, recently it is the handbook for recently the recently deceased. deceased. You Thank heathen. You. Yeah, the fact that you don't know I that. I haven't watched that one in a long time. Let's just dive into death. <laughs> just do it just slap you in the face with it but so that happens you should be ready and have a plan in case something happens now death can be something that is you end up hospitalized you end up with a, an illness you end up um with some sort of uh you end up with a degenerative disease or something like that you know you can see this coming but you still want to make sure you have something well in advance when you're healthy um you there's Plenty of ways people pass away suddenly, um, health-wise, accidents, things like that. So just be aware. Now, there's document consider things that you might want to consider. Wills, trusts, your power of attorney. Um, if you want to have a conditional gift to whoever you're leaving the animals to, if you're leaving them to organizations or things like that, and some stuff that you're going to want to think about beforehand. So the will is going to take effect after you die and can be probated for weeks in some cases, especially in uh, if it's disputed for any reasons. Um, the first reported case in the United States dealing with a gift for the benefit of a specific animal occurred in 1923. So for those of you who don't know, he's just randomly reading my notes and trying to put it together to prevent me from talking as much as possible about this, apparently. <laughs> or you can sit there and eat your potatoes. I love potatoes! Great. I'm like a hobbit, leave me alone, ya boy. And they would have been fine if Bill hadn't made me spit them all out of my mouth. So, <laughs> that was his fault. Anyway, no, so when you're doing wills, so there's three different ways to do it. Um, the most popular ones are wills. And wills are one that we all hear about was, did you leave it in your will or do you have something in your will for your animals and stuff like that? And I'm actually guilty of this too, where I thought that was really the only thing that you could do was leave your animals... Um, care provisions in your will and it turns out that those only a take effect after your dad which duh but the problem is that if they get um if they're disputed for any reason or they end up in probate the um it doesn't take effect and so even the care of that animal so the provisions of care for your animals don't technically go into effect until the will everything's resolved so if something's being held up because you know Tommy doesn't like how the wording was, and he thinks that he oh, he gets more money from your estate. Well, that's great for Tommy, but that means that, you know, your reptile collection isn't being taken care of necessarily or isn't getting moved. And because it's listed in the will, they can't touch it. They can't leave it. They can't, it can't go anywhere. So that can be a big problem too. Um, so some people have also left gifts for their animal in order to make sure that they're properly taken care of. So in the case of like Oprah's um, 
animal in her uh, will. She has like a hundred thousand. Oh no, it was an Oprah. It was uh, Buck Duke's daughter. So his heir to the Duke University and American Tobacco um, Company's uh, fortune. She left like a hundred thousand dollars to I think her dog or something like that, and those don't always go where they're supposed to because you can't leave gifts like that to dogs because they're property. So you can't leave money as a gift to your reptile. So I couldn't leave, you know, Sobek or Bellatrix, you know, $10,000 to take care of them because they're property. You can't give property to property. So you have to give a trustee. You have to name a trustee for it. So that can tie things up. Or it can just be considered null and void, and then the animal's kind of SOL on that. Um, but no, the whole 1923 thing was that is actually the first time that um, the U.S. actually ever had somebody say, this is an animal that I want to take care of specifically in their will. And it was actually in Kentucky, and Kentucky was like, yep, we're cool with it. The lady left $10,000 to take care of her dog, and Kentucky's like, yeah, we're not going to fight that. That sounds like a good idea. Thanks. So, other than Will, so I think Will is what everybody goes to, but that sounds like it may not be your best option. What is a better, what are other options? So, the other option is, a lot of people know about, is trust. Um, But trust kind of, trusts are a little bit harder, and a lot of people don't use trust, because you have to um, maintain them. They're a legal entity, so you actually have to maintain a trust. A will is a document, and it comes into effect once you die. A trust is ongoing, and it's a legal do- and it's a legal entity. It actually is its own thing, so that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. Um, and then there's some tax things that can go into it too, and that's something that you absolutely need to have a lawyer uh, that works with you for all of this. You actually need a lawyer to work with you to make sure it works well. You also need to make sure that um, it stipulates exactly how the animal's supposed to be taken care of, when the animal's supposed, how long the animal's supposed to be taken care of, um, what assets are supposed to be utilized. But it does let you um, put it into effect before you die. So if something happens where you become incapacitated, you can actually say, like, this trust becomes activated when, you know, I'm incapacitated and no longer able to physically care for myself or something like that so that actually is kind of a nice thing too that kind of goes into place um but if you're doing a trust most times people have a power of attorney also that kind of go into play with that one and that's somebody that you just authorize to you know do things on your behalf while you're still alive and doing good and that's something that would work hand in hand really well with it and then it ties into the conditional care gifts um, to the caretaker. So, because you want to make sure that if you're going to give money to somebody to take care of your animals, that they're actually going to take care of your animals. And the only way to really do that is to leave a conditional gift where, hey, you get this much money to do this exact thing right here. If you do not do this to take care of this, then you do not get this. Um, And so that makes it a lot easier. Sometimes it's not enforceable depending on the state they live in. And then there are some states where you actually have restrictions on time frames. So some states you can only do it for 21 years. Some states are less than that. 
it just kind of depends on where it is and then there's some states where there is no such thing as um, conditional gifting for animals so like Wisconsin doesn't have anything um, regarding animals at all they have some kind of honorary gifts kind of system and it's actually up to the court to decide if it's something that they'll enforce or not so you can say hey I want to leave $10,000 to take care of my gecko collection for this person and if someone's like mm, they can actually take it to court and the court will look at it and be like mm, no that's not enforceable like that's egregious and capricious and we don't think that's gonna work so interesting uh, stuff and actually um, Rich Crawley, who is the former president, um, so I think he's the immediate past president mm -hmm. of the Chicago Herb Society, he actually has been um, really looking into this too. And so he's been um, attending things with like FEMA and things like that, just trying to learn more about different um, avenues and options for, you know, disasters and also for things like this when, you know, somebody becomes deceased because Chicago Herb Society, just like Friends of Scales has had to help rehome large collections or animals in collections or specific animals in collections. So those are things that, you know, are being worked with right now, but there's nothing that's actually formally done. Even, you know, US Art doesn't have anything like on their website about, hey, this is like a, this is a resource for you on how to do this because there's nothing formal or nothing formalized at all that's even recognized across all the states about how to even handle animals in like trusts and wills and things like that. It's actually just kind of like a case-by-case -case basis almost, um, which makes it really, really difficult. And it's difficult for dog and cat people, but it's exceptionally difficult for exotic keepers. Right. When you get down to exotic keepers or people who have, you know, and using roadside zoos with quotes like you can see me, but you know, the home roadside zoo where it's just somebody with a lot of animals, there's no telling what could happen to them because it depends hey, also on the state. Don't be dissing the roadside zoo. I'm not. I Absolutely said, like, not. I'm using quotes like you can see it. I wasn't hating on it. I'm saying, like, there's nothing that, you know, protects. It's just the problem. And that's, like, the scary part. Like, even the rescue. If it wasn't for the business plan that we, you know, filed that says, hey, you know, assets go to here, but it doesn't even mention anything technically about, like in the beginning, it didn't even mention anything about where the animals go. It, we only had to stipulate when we created the not-for-profit for an animal rescue, no matter what it was, for an animal rescue to create the not-for-profit, we had to stipulate where our assets went. Well, it's going to U.S. Ark. Cool. That's awesome. But it doesn't even ask you where do the animals go. They don't care. Like, the federal government didn't even ask us that question. And nobody asked us that afterwards. Like, we have to make that decision ourselves. Where do they go? Who takes them? How do we distribute, you know, animals? Who takes over the foster program? You like, guys are getting so many ball pythons. Oh, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> well, that's been a conversation, you know, was like, who, like, something happens to me, like, who takes, who takes that mantle? Like... That's... You don't think that's a reciprocated thing if anything happened to us, Ryan? <laughs> oh, like, I know. And I'm like... pretty sure the answer is, like, the same, just reversed. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're getting so many giant monitors. And ditto it... with ball pythons. Right? But it does, <laughs> it does bring up another piece, which is, 
you know, are, if you're going to leave them to an organization, um, oh God, please let them talk know. to the organization first. Um, let them Come be on. aware. Yeah, no, it'd be <laughs> nice for the to. They may have things they want done. They may have it listed a certain way. They may have. Uh, they, they, you may have to file paperwork a certain way or write it a certain way. Like um, certain know. herb societies or the rescues may have a different legal name uh, re- registered than what they use as their um, name for their organization or um, just anything like that. You're going to want to make sure to at least reach out to them, see if they're okay with it. Screw that. Make sure that they have room. Like, would you be able to take 18 giant, like, Argus monitors? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, yeah. crap, I need You'll to make sure that figure it out. Well, and that's the thing, like, your ability to ha- find out what to do with a Tegu herd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. But, like, that's things that we've had happen in the rescue before when, you know, gosh, that was, like, years ago. But- anyway, reach out to the organizations and talk to them first. Make sure that they don't have any advice. Make, ask them for advice. Ask them if they have any specific requirements or protocols and and yeah, ask them if they're okay, if they're okay with you doing that or do they have the room or ability to handle that? Well, especially if you have like alligators or venomous or something like that. Yeah. Anything large or, or different. I mean, if you have two leopard geckos, they're probably fine. Still do it. Still call and talk to them again. Friends of scales, the herb societies out there. A lot of us have dealt with this stuff. So we may have good suggestions on ways to again, ways to word it or, Certain things you'll want to say or do or things to consider that you may not have considered. And so make sure not, to reach out. not to be crass about it, but consider including that organization in your will in a As monetary part fashion. Of your... Yeah, because don't just dump your it, whole collection on somebody and make it their no, problem. But I mean, that's for real. Oh, yeah. Most rescues do some sort of relinquishment. There are fees. There's money associated with these things. We have a legit collection. Like, no joke. If the two of us passed away, you guys are our friends, you would more than likely step up, and a lot of the things would go through the rescue, because it's a very serious collection. I like this like, is more than likely, but, like, that's a freaking option. But, it, but no, I'm just saying, it thing, would be like, messed up if we were like, here's 140 reptiles and zero dollars. Yeah. I would... That would be it. Would be almost impossible for you guys to be after honest. After this episode, you couldn't house it. we'll probably yeah. rewrite our will... So that our life insurance policy goes to the kids, but a part of it goes to, like, keeping the building paid up for two months while somebody keeps track of the animals. And then the animals, instead of being housed in, like, your house, they would be housed right. in our building. But, I mean, that, right? as you like, get into you the glorious, more serious... Glorious, sexy woman. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's these are things that people don't consider. You know, as you get into more serious collections, serious sizes... Of collections or sizes of animals, if you have a single animal and that single animal is an 18-foot Burmese python and you just call up Friends of Scales Reptile Rescue and say, hey, Jim died, I'm Nancy, and I don't know what to do with this python, it eats goats. I can tell you right now it's going to come to my shop and live in the basement because it can't fit in the Friends of Scales Reptile Rescue. Yeah, absolutely. And, And you wouldn't know that if you didn't call first and have Erica go... I'm going to give you Bill Bradley's email and he'll get right back to you. All of those things should be done way before Nancy has an 18 foot Burmese Python in a pillowcase. Or I get the call from the lawyer saying my client has passed away and this was in his will. And now you have to take in 12 turtles. And I'm like, Oh, okay. They're right here. Sliders. Oh, okay. I think if we are going to, I mean, wrap up death really, but like just 
it kind of comes down to the same tone of the whole shroud. thing. Shroud. Wrap up death <laughs> in the shroud. I was yeah, trying to figure uh, out how yeah. to do that one. There you go. Like, so, mm. But no, the whole entire podcast this time just comes down to start to think about this stuff and make a plan. Make a plan. Have some stuff in place. Have that little binder. Have an understanding of wills. Meet with an attorney. And this is dealing with your, especially when it comes to a death, wills, trust, all that stuff. That's a scary thing. But you know what? I I promise anyone listening, too many of my friends that have passed away, basically all of them didn't have one. And when it came down to, okay, what do we do? Like, he's got stuff that wife does, kids don't want. There's stuff that needs to be moved around. It's a lot to put on your family. And without having any of that stuff laid out, it's just, it's a nightmare. And it's it makes everything so much worse. This is something that we all need to have taken care of. Find, reach out to an attorney. Reach out to, uh, get on Google and go do what you can to find anything you can on, on writing up a will or what you need to do or, you know, having these conditional things in place. Um, you know, making your little kit of, of your emergency animal care kit um, and, and having all those resources together. Also something else, uh, if you have a slicata and your idea is to will it to your kids, make Naomi sure they want it. To us. Huh? Naomi would never speak to oh, us. Oh yeah. Again. Like make sure the people you're putting in here, you've had discussions with and you know, maybe on a, a so decade Erica, basis. You need to have a really long talk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, at least on like a five or ten year basis. Like, make sure to update this stuff and talk to people. Because that person who was like your nephew or great grand, your grandson or nephew or you know cousin that was like, oh my god, I there's if anything ever happens to you, I want your eighteen foot retic. Then six years later, has a family and a newborn twins. I promise, doesn't want your. 18 foot retic anymore um and that may not be what they want to do or they might not be ready for it so make sure you're keeping up with those people and put it on your calendar once or twice a year to go through and check stuff update your inventory list your pricing and just be aware that stuff is animal keepers that if something bad happens to you i promise your family will appreciate it and your friends more than you can even understand if you have something like that that allows them to work through everything, have contacts, have people who know what they're doing come and help, um, and really not just feel like, oh, my God, I have 140 animal lives in my hands and I'm clueless. There's nothing scarier than that. And then on top of it, to be dealing with, you know, someone passing away or someone in the hospital. And it's been a rough year for, you know, for us with just friends and, and have all these things popping up that just – makes all of this so much more important to really understand and, and, and be aware of and be active on. All right. I think we can kind of wrap up this episode, but really, I mean, does anybody else have any other thoughts, anything they want to add? Erica? So many thoughts, but no. (laughs) Anything, Bill or Teresa, you want to add? I do have one thing um, that I was thinking about when we were talking about uh, living in the Midwest and especially for snowstorms and things. Um, Something that I don't think enough people put thought process into is it doesn't have to be a whole house generator, but, but things like generators and and whole house generators and and these larger purchases for your home. We talked about this in the scope of, if you keep a handful of animals, right? Um, But at some point, if your collection becomes larger or if you start to make serious financial commitments to herpticulture as it affects your life, 
to me, it, it should just be a part of the expenses. Why did you buy a third car instead of a whole house generator for us, our facility? We don't own the building itself. We rent a part of a building for our facility. If you were doing something in your home and you, you know, you converted a spare bedroom or you got crazy with the basement or, or whatever, um, as people progress in this hobby, it does start to potentially take up portions of your lives and portions of your home. I feel like it just makes sense when you're talking about some of the monetary commitments that people make, you know, if like, I wasn't joking about how expensive those chameleons were like, that was a, I was making a joke about the whole grandma thing, but like the, the value of the animals was really serious and, and still is to this day. Um, it, I would be a fool to have animals like that and not have, you know, a really nice misting system, a really nice light system, a really nice, you know, I buy really good supplements. I buy really good food, all of these but things that we do that would be, and then I also provide a backup right, power well, yeah, source if you know, we are out Walter's, of power. Walter's bedroom when he moves out to college is going to be my chameleon greenhouse. Oh, that's super awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, in the winter of 2022, uh, everything died and it cost me every dollar I had. Because instead of buying my 12th chameleon, I should have bought a whole house generator or, or what have <laughs> you. I want people to have it more in their vernacular, more in their thought process of these, you know, oh, I'll get a kit and make a plan like, haha, middle school kids or whatever. And it's like, well, there's a reason that people in education and people in FEMA and things like that keep telling you to do it is because you should do it. Especially when you start to get to our level, we're putting serious resources from our lives into her herpticulture and then not insuring them either literally through insurance or through these processes. You know, uh, I, you, you can't buy five extra totes. You can't pick up a couple extra coolers or whatever. Like don't buy 12 snakes at Tinley, buy 10 and get some coolers or right. whatever, you know, it, it needs to be a part of your process. Well, part, this, it, this whole thing needs to be something that I think people think about in general and, and make yes. it a priority. It is not a, oh, I'll get there one day thing. Um, just in some of the research we've been doing, we're probably in the next week or two going to be changing some of the stuff we have. Um, but it's something that you once a year, twice a year, you look into it, you check it, you make sure you're good, you maybe reach out to a few people. This isn't something... It, it, but it's something that people probably aren't thinking about. And I know that because we've been dealing with it and we all deal with people who passed away and their collection and what happens to it and what happens with the animals and the tanks. And I, I friends of ours that have had spouses that were involved, spouses that weren't. And honestly, it's never that much different. It's a giant nightmare. Everyone doesn't know what the person wanted. Um, and if you don't do any of that, it just puts a lot of extra strain and pressure on your family. So. You may also want to put in there, like, resources, just things that you wouldn't think about. Like, okay, Erica is going to be fine um, taking care of the animals. I know that. But if she wanted to condense them down and she's looking for values, we have a lot of good friends. But who would I want to send her to for certain stuff to get the best value of what current markets are? Or, or to sell for me. So or, to, or to help you sell Don't them. Don't worry, or, I got you. I figured. Well, like, or even just how do you find out? I can feel Teresa glaring from here. Take them all. 
But but no, just any resources, even if it's hey, call this guy or other than people though. You know, my grandma, if she came over, is and if she was the one that had to deal with something, isn't going to know the best place to find, like, fair market value for something might be Fauna Classifieds. I promise she doesn't know that website exists. Like, you know? I'm pretty, like, 100% sure she doesn't, honey. Well, I'm, like, yeah, exactly. But that's, or or if, you know... We love the, you, grandma, but we know you don't know that one. <laughs> well, like, the having the Herb Society website, like, hey, if you have any questions, here's here's a group of people that just would be good to answer questions. You know, or US Arc, like, hey, message US Arc and say that Phil and, and US Arc would be a good place to, hey, my grandson passed away and no one knows to do what to do with his animals. That would be a good place to start. You know, so just having any kind of stuff like that, to, to, you know, anything you can possibly think of to help people is going to be good. All right, so I think with that, we can kind of, nobody else has any other anything else they want to say, we can wrap up. Episode 6 of the Reptile Room Confessions podcast. Um, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Hopefully, it made at least, if you didn't learn anything, at least made you think. But hopefully you got some more out of it. Um, I know we'll be adjusting some stuff this week in the next couple weeks. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be. Really think about it. Sit down. Put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're going to ask to help you or help take care of your animals and try and fill in everything you can that they might need help with. Um, and that's all we've got for you for this week. Uh, join us in two weeks um, and we will have another amazing episode. I don't want to tell you guys ever what they're about just because it you might change <laughs> or also because then it just takes away the fun. Just be ready. Just be ready for the next one to come out. All right. And as always, guys, keep searching for knowledge and thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Reptile Room Confessions. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more amazing information. Catch us next time and never stop seeking knowledge. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.